It's episode 64 of Catfish on Ice, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Chad Mitten with Rich Howe, and this is Catfish on Ice, brought to you by DraftKings. We are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got NFL football. It's the it's uh, the preseason's over with now. We've got NFL football coming up. And, of course, we are presented by DraftKings, and DraftKings has a really good deal for you. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or if you're in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Again, NFL football is coming up very, very soon. College football is coming up very soon as well. And you can use the safe, secure, reliable DraftKings Sportsbook app to win some money. Give yourself a chance to win $1 million. I think we could all use an extra $1 million. I don't know about you, Rich, but I could. No, I could definitely use a million dollars. How's your week going so far, Rich? It's doing good been raining all day i think the uh, hurricane made its way up this way yep um oh speaking of so hurricane, yeah, the hurricane just, yeah, we got some heavy, heavy we got some, yeah our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the yes. people of the gulf coast right now uh in the new orleans area a lot of people without mm-hmm. power uh yeah our thoughts are definitely with those people and we hope for a speedy speedy recovery Mother Nature's not been kind to us lately. Of course, we had the floods in West Tennessee as well that happened. So uh, we hope for a speedy recovery and a speedy bounce back for that region. Um, Also, much not even close to being as big of a deal or – but it is very hard to go without a phone in 2021. And I have not (laughs) had a phone since last Tuesday, so almost a week now. And I feel lost. I feel – like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm constantly reaching for it in my pocket. Um, word of the wise to all of our listeners right now, just going to give you a little free advice here. Do not break your phone right now because your replacement phone will take a long time to get to you, apparently. So um, yeah. kind of a weird story. I'm running on the treadmill last week. I'm kind of like, you know, exercise. Yeah, exercise is a good thing, right? So I'm on the treadmill <laughs> and I'm running. I'm pumping up the heart rate. Uh, sweating, pumping up a sweat here, and me being my clumsy self as normal, have my uh, phone in the cup holder, and it comes popping perfectly out of the cup holder of the treadmill, lands perfectly on the on the conveyor belt of the treadmill, launches the phone backwards behind me, hits something else, cracks the screen. The phone case had. Had right. no ch- had no shot of protecting my phone in this debacle, and so I have not had a phone for almost a week. It's been kind of nice, honestly, because you don't you don't realize how much you right. get glued to your phone all the time. But um, I am ready to get my phone back, so don't break your phone right now, people, because you're going to be out without a phone for a while. 
So how fast were you? How fast were you running? Oh, I, I mean, was running like, fast. You must I was have been flying. If it shot it off the treadmill. That yeah, fast. You, 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 yeah. Usain Bolt's got nothing on me. Like oh, I was okay. running fast. I was flying. But uh, yeah, wow. so the phone the phone got launched off the treadmill, and now uh, yeah. everyone got a good uh, laugh. I'm sure plenty of people at the gym saw it happen. But uh, yeah, man, that's a bummer. All right, episode sixty four of, of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Rich Howe. We are getting closer and closer to the regular season. We are, what, about a month month and a half away, give or take, around there, until the Preds open up their 2021-22 campaign against the Seattle Kraken. It's not going to be Seattle's first ever game. No. They're they're opening up the season. I can't remember which team it's against. Is it Vegas? I can't remember which team they're opening up. It might be. I know they're not at home, though. But they're definitely not starting their whole expansion era against Mm -hmm. us. But it is our first game. And so um, I'm sure everyone can't wait to get to Bridgestone and see that game. Um, Really excited about that. But here's what we got in store for you for Episode 64 of Catfish and Ice, presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are going to talk about a – NHL Network list that got put out that's got me fuming. I'm not happy about it. Not a good I, list. Uh, I came across this list, and I got to tell you, uh, I'm sure this is why they created this list, is to get people doing exactly what I'm doing right now. So mission accomplished, NHL Network, because you got me yeah. fuming right now. But really? they, they released a list of top 10 goalies post-1999-2000. That's the caveat there. Top 10 goaltenders. And... Let me just say, a certain Pecorine is not on that list. So that's going to be our opening face-off tonight. We're going to go through the list. We're going to talk about and We're going to try to take our biased opinions out of this. Because we, we are opinionated and we are biased. We are a National Predators podcast, after all. But this list is garbage, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Hot garbage. Throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash. But uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to dive into it. And yep. then we're also going to get into some over. I said some over under point totals for every Central Division team, assuming we play an 82 game season. Uh, I set the point totals and where we think. And I'm going to ask Rich, I'm going to ask him for his opinion on whether mm-hmm. he wants to go over or under on these Central Division teams. We'll even do the Predators. I got that point total pretty low. I'm going to be honest. We'll see what Rich thinks. And then finally, we got to hit on real quick. This dropped a couple hours before the podcast went live. Ellie Tolvin has got a new contract. Pretty big deal. We'll hit on that. And then also, we've got an awesome guest lined up for you. We're thrilled, honored, and very lucky to get Eric Denae of On the Future. I'm sure all of the Preds fans who follow us, a lot of them probably already know, On the Future is your go-to source for all things Preds prospects. And he was very kind to join the podcast, do a segment with us. That's going to be at the very end of episode 64, so stay tuned for that. Really excited Mm -hmm. to have him on. He gave us a ton of great information on these prospects, both current current and ones that uh, we drafted a couple years ago. So uh, can't wait for that. Let's get into it. Let's go over this list real quick to get episode 64 off to a really fiery start. Right? That's what we want to do. So this is according to NHL Network Research. It was released on their Twitter account a few days ago. It came up across my timeline and instantly. So when this list came across my timeline, 
The first mm-hmm. thing I did was I read the description before I actually read the list. And when I read the description, I'm thinking, okay, where's Rene going to be listed in the top 10? I didn't think, <laughs> is he in the top 10? I'm thinking where at, where is he going to be at in the top 10? Is he going to be number eight? Is he going to be number six? Maybe he'll barely make it at number 10. I thought for sure he'd be in nope. it. And I start scanning through this list and he's nowhere to be found. Pecorino, nowhere to be found. Could not believe it. So let me list. I'm going to go through the full list, 10 to 1, and then we're going to start breaking this down. All right. Number 10, Brayden Holtby. Number 9, Tuka Rask. Number 8, Corey Crawford. Number 7, Carey Price. Number 6, Jonathan Quick. Number 5, Tim Thomas. Number 4, Andre Vasilevsky. All the way up at number 4. This guy's still got a whole career ahead of him. He always, he's already at number four. Yeah. We're talking over two decades of a timeline here that we're ranking these goaltenders. Henrik Lundqvist is number three. We always just retired. that's no surprise. No, it's no surprise. Roberto Luongo. If you're a new hockey fan, you might not know a lot about Roberto Luongo. He was a really good goaltender. Yep. And then, of course, the flower, Mark Andre Fleury, is number one on NHL Networks. Top 10 goaltenders post-1999-2000. They had to start playing after 1999-2000. That's the criteria. So, obviously, Pecorine falls into that. Before we really start going through this list with a fine-tooth comb, Rich, just give me your initial thoughts on how Pekka's not on this list. Just give me your objective opinion on it. Um, Well, First off, I'm, I'm good with number one. I think Mark Andre Fleury is great. Oh yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to say all these guys are great goaltenders, but um, yeah, there's a few on here that I just don't. I mean, you look at the numbers, and it just it, it just doesn't make any sense that he's not on there. He's had better, you know, uh, career numbers than than some of these yes. guys. So, and so, um, Rich, you Rich, you made, way, yeah. Rich, you made a spreadsheet comparing all the key numbers between all these goaltenders. Yep. And Pecorine. Yep. So chime in as we're going through this list and kind of All give right. us some of these numbers. I got the numbers written down as well. I spent a good part of my Monday preparing for this episode, looking at these career numbers on hockeyreference.com. And so uh I've got three, I've got three goaltenders on this list that I feel like Pecorine should be in over these three. The okay. other seven, the other seven, you I'm okay with. They can be in there. They can be in there, but I got three. Then yeah. I'm sorry. I think, and I'm going to go ahead and start it off with who was at number ten. That's Braden Holtby. Yep. And let me preface this by saying, just because I don't think these three I'm about to name should be on this list, doesn't mean I'm saying they're bad goaltenders or horrible no, or that they're not elite. Of course they are. They're, they're they are. These are all great goaltenders. So let's get that out out of the way. But when it comes to making room for Pecorine, which I think Pecorine should be on this list, these are my three. Braden Holtby, he comes in at number 10. 289 career wins, 35 career shutouts, 2.58 career goals against average, 0.915 save percentage. Um, respectable numbers. Let me put put it up against Pekka's numbers. Yep. 369 career wins, so uh, – Almost a, nearly 100 wins more than Braden Holtby over mm-hmm. his career. 2.43 goals against average. That's lower than Holtby's. 60 yep. career shutouts. Uh, that's almost double 
Brayton Holtby's. Uh, just saying. 0.917 save percentage, so that's a wash, about the same. Each goaltender, let's see, does Holtby have a Vesna? I, I didn't write that down. I, I know. Yeah, I didn't write that down. Vesnas are obviously very important. Here's where I think Pekka got overlooked in this list, and it starts with Holtby. Pekka's playoff numbers will forever be a dark cloud over his uh, over his career, I think, uh, yep. among the outsiders. Not so much in the National Predators community, but on the outside looking in, Pekka's never won a Stanley Cup. He's only been to one Stanley Cup. He has played in a lot of playoff series. The Preds have gone to the playoffs plenty of times with Pekka But Pekka's playoff numbers take a considerable dip compared to his regular season numbers. that You can't deny that. You can't overlook that as no. much as we love Pekka. Uh, so looking at Pekka's playoff numbers, career numbers, 0.914 save percentage, 2.49 goals against average. So that goes up considerably. It's a little bit above his career average. Uh, 666 career starts for Pecorine. But a lot of people just – that's what Pecorine's main knock is, that he's never the same goaltender – when the bright lights of the postseason get on him, with the exception of that 2017 Stanley Cup run where he played on his head all the way up until Pittsburgh. And then when we got to Pittsburgh, he struggled a little bit. And then yep. people remember the, the the next year when the Preds won the, when the, won the President's Trophy and we went and played Winnipeg in the second round. Rene had a really, really rough elimination game in that series. So – People remember that kind of stuff. I have a feeling mm-hmm. that has something to do with him being left off this list. Whereas Holtby has pretty good playoff numbers. You look at Brayden Holtby's uh, playoff numbers. One Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. He won a Stanley Cup. Uh, a .926 save percentage. A 2.13 goals against in his playoff career. That's pretty damn good. Uh, seven shutouts. A 50-47 and 47 career record in the playoffs. So, um do you think that has something to do with it, Rich, when it comes to putting some of these players over Rene as these they're looking at postseason numbers? Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the only reason Hopi is at 10 is because he's got a Stanley Cup. But you For know, a really good Capitals team, mind I mean, you. a very good Capitals team. And then after that, he hasn't really done much. So do we, no. do, I think it's fair to say that Pecorine would have won a Stanley Cup or two with with those Capitals teams as well. I think so, yeah, anybody probably could have. And, and I know, and I and I know that's a big if, but again, that's how we're going to look at it here. Let's go to number nine, and I know you really like this goaltender, and I have no problem with this I goaltender. Do, actually, but, I actually but, have no problem. Yeah. You're not. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Tuka Rask should not be in the top ten. He absolutely He's, should. He's actually, in this case, though, kind of connected to number five, Tim Thomas. So, Yep, that's a good point. So uh, you got two Karaska's uh, numbers in front of you. Why don't you read them off? I do. His career so numbers, his, some of his key career numbers. Yeah, his uh, goals against – or goal – yeah, is uh, um, 2.27. Rene's Very solid. Two, Rene's is 2.43, so that's two point two point two seven for a career is pretty incredible. Yeah, and yeah. And his, his uh, career save percentage is 0.921. Rene's is 0.917. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in the but in the playoffs, that's another place where Rask shines. You know, his, his uh, goals against is 2.22 and 0.925 for the save percentage. He does have a Stanley Cup, but the year they did win that Stanley Cup, he was a backup. To oh, okay. That's a really that's a very important point you just brought up there. 
So since since then, since they did win that Stanley Cup, he hasn't had anything else since then. And they've gotten, you know, the closest they got was against uh, St. Louis in the finals. There you so. go. He's also a two-time All-Star. Uh, he's got cons- a considerable amount of less wins than Rene, too. Like Again, yeah. Rene's got 369 career wins, whereas Rask has 306. Yep. I, I don't want to put too much weight on wins. Just like any other sport, quarterback wins, uh, starting pitcher wins in baseball, it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to always say that the wins mean everything, but still, Rene has won a lot of games between the pipes. Yeah, so, uh, but Rask is number nine. I'm not going to give you too much blowback on that one. Yeah, Let's I mean, go to na- I don't, I don't know. I, if he didn't have that Stanley Cup, I think that might be another reason why he's on there too. And he does, yeah. he does. Do oh, it, it absolutely is. It absolutely, but it is. needs, to, but it needs to be understood. Let's go to, let's go yeah. to number eight. Let's go to number eight. Number eight almost gives me as many <laughs> problems as number ten, and it has nothing to do. God is my witness; it has nothing to do with the team he's affiliated with. I promise you, I'm being totally objective here. Yeah. Corey Crawford comes in at number eight over Pecorine. And there's yeah, I, I just two. I can't I can't understand it. I can't figure it out. I've tried to figure it out all day thinking about it, other than the fact that he plays for the Chicago Blackhawks or did play for the Chicago Blackhawks. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I can think of that you would put him in over Pecorine on this list. Corey there's, Crawford. There's two reasons why he probably is. Stanley well, Cups. he's got he's got the Stanley Cups again. We're getting a, we're seeing two. a recurring yeah. we're seeing a recurring yeah. theme here. Yeah. Uh, but his personal numbers are not. I mean, they're good, but they're not like staggering. They're not they're, like his, overly. Yeah, their career is comparable. Their it's, careers are very comparable. Really yeah. Again, Crawford hasn't done it as long as Rene. He only yeah, has two hundred and sixty career wins, twenty six career shutouts. That's it. That's choke yep. change for Rene. Yep. I mean. It's, I think in this Shut case, shutouts are a big one for me when it comes it, to me yeah, looking at goaltenders. And I know there, I know there's a lot of key analytics out there as well that uh, we could get into. We'd be here all night, but shut, when it comes to the surface, like the statistics you can look at that are really quick, that you can just look at really quick. Shutouts are a big one for me. I agree. Re- yeah, Rene's got six, 60 shutouts in his career. Corey Crawford's only got 26. 2.45 GA uh, goals against average. That's right there with Rene. You call mm-hmm. that a wash. But Pekka did it longer. He's been around longer. Absolutely. 666 career starts for Pekka Rene. So I just can't figure it out other than those two Stanley Cups for really good Blackhawks teams, loaded, stacked Blackhawks yep. teams. So yep. yeah, let's go to let's go to number seven. You got number so seven in front of you. Rich. I do, yeah. So it's uh Carey Price. This one is, I mean, I, I like Carey Price. Everybody does. He's awesome. Very likable player. Very likable player. Um, you know, got to the Stanley Cup finals. Does not have a Stanley Cup. Nope, His he's numbers, right there with Rene. He's right there with Rene. The numbers no are very comparable. Uh, playoff, his playoff numbers are a little bit better. But no cups. And... Uh, Comparable games played, 360 Their numbers – hey, their numbers are very, very – they mirror each other. They do. Yeah, they're so, really close. So, so if anything, if anything, I'm not going to get too up in arms over Carey Price being in over Arena just because their numbers are so similar. 
Right. Like it's crazy how close their n- career numbers are to each other. Yep. And um, we've got a current right. goaltender in the system who's been compared to Carey Price. That mm-hmm. is Yaroslav Askarov. Yep. And uh, again, we've got uh, we've got on the future coming on later on in the podcast. And I know Rich has a really good question for them regarding Askarov. But uh, yeah, Carey Price. You know, he's a one time only one Vesna Trophy for Price, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but again, everyone remembers the playoff performances. And I could not – I looked at this season. that So the 2014-15 season for Carey Price might be one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a goaltender for mm-hmm. one season. His 2014-15 season, he got the Hart Trophy, MVP. Got the Vesna Trophy. Had wow. a 1.96 goals against average had a .933 save percentage that year, and went 44-16-6 as yeah. a goaltender in 2014-15. That is about as dominant on the NHL level as you will ever see from a goaltender. That's amazing. Just when I came across that one season he had, I was yeah, like, okay, crazy. like I mean, dominance. And uh, also, Jay Fresh, who does all the analytics, he's been on the podcast before as well. He responded to this NHL network list with some of his own metrics and ranked who was on the top 10. He didn't put Pekka in there because Pekka wasn't on the list, but he had Carey Price at the top of his individual list when it came to wins above a replacement mm-hmm. and goals saved above average, which those two categories basically rate like the quality of shots a goaltender's facing. Right. It rates a bunch of outside factors based on a goaltender's performance. And Carey Price was the top goaltender in both of those categories. So that has that that's enough for me to think Carey Price should be on the list. Oh, he should be on the list, but so I'm not gonna well. I'm not gonna get up in arms. I'm not gonna get up in arms no. on that one. No, definitely. Well, I'm not. gonna go I, I'm gonna go to one who I think should be moved out in place of Rene. Okay. I already I, I already said Corey Crawford and Brady Holtby. I got one more on this list that Do I you? think Rene should I got one more. You might have more, but I, I've got it. I've got at least one more that's egregious. Okay, and it's the next one on the list. Jonathan Quick, number six. Again, another outstanding elite goaltender. Don't get me wrong. Three hundred thirty-six career wins, fifty-four shutouts, two point four one goals against average. Never won a Vesna Trophy. Does have two Stanley Cups. Yep. There you go. There you have it. Not very. Not very many. I mean. Wins two fourteen, and his and his uh his career playoff numbers are pretty decent. I'll give him that. But again, he really trailed off after that. Like I mean, he yeah. whereas Rene stuck around. Rene kept even up until this last season. Even though Rene's numbers weren't great, he's playing for a horrible team. Yeah. Uh, o- overall, in front of him, again, it's another player where I'm like, how do you put him in over Rene? I just can't figure it out. So Jonathan Quick comes in at number six. Do you have a problem with Jonathan Quick being in there um, over Rene? I, I, I don't know. The It depends on what they're looking at. I think he's probably in there because of his Stanley Cups, but the it's the guys that don't have Stanley Cups that kind of are a little puzzling to me. Like Carey Price. Carey um, Price doesn't yeah. have a Stanley Cup, but he's in here. Yeah. But he's yeah he is and he's obviously a good goaltender but like Pecorino is too they're comparable so yeah I mean I think in in that in 
Quick's case, it's it's the Stanley Cups. So let's go to your let's go to your second favorite team, which is the Boston Bruins. We got another Boston Bruins goaltender coming up here. Uh, a lot of people have probably forgotten about this goaltender, but during his time, he was very dominant. Um, he was dominating a lot around the time when I was really starting to get into hockey. I do remember him being a dominant goaltender, one of the best. Uh, and that's Tim Thomas. So. Yep. Tim Thomas. But here's the thing about Tim Thomas. Relatively short career Yeah, compared to these other goaltenders. I mean, he doesn't have all the starts that Rene has. Uh, Tim Thomas, 214 career mm-hmm. wins. It's not because he was a horrible goaltender. It's just he didn't play as long as some of these other goaltenders. He yeah. is uh, barely in the top 100 in games played all time among goaltenders. He's number 99. So... Um, that just gives you kind of an idea of how Tim Thomas really didn't play a whole lot compared to some of these other all-time great goaltenders. But his numbers are are comparable to all the other ones on this list. Yeah, his goals against in the playoffs, 208, 2.08. That's 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 the best pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. That's he's got he's got that Stanley Cup win, um, which ties him to you know Tuka Rask. That's when he got his. Two Vesnas. Tim Thomas has two, two Vesna trophies. I mean, that's pretty strong. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a problem with him being in there. I, I know who you are going to have a problem with, and it's the next person on the list. I don't. No. He, he is an amazing goaltender. <laughs> Why don't you go I ahead and reveal was, to the audience who we're about to say? The best in the business right now. I oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no argument there. Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky comes in at number four. I got to say, are we jumping the gun a little bit by putting him all the way up at number four? You're going to skip him ahead of some of these other goaltenders we've already named. Let's forget about Pecorine for a second. You're going to jump Vasilevsky on on this list ahead of Tuka Rask, ahead of Carey Price? Or, or I even mean, Corey Crawford. Seriously? seriously? Like, I know he's great, but he still has a lot to prove. He still has a lot to show us. And – I I mean, he's really taken off like a rocket over the last three seasons. His first full-time season in the NHL was not that impressive. Right. And so, I mean, obviously we expect him to continue this. We don't think he's just going to drop off off a cliff for no reason. And he is the best goaltender currently in the world right now. I'm not going to dispute that at all. But to put him all the way up at number four, that surprised me a little bit. I guess I guess they're looking at back to back. Yeah, I mean, that's something to do with it. I mean, that's obviously very difficult. Two, but to hey, me. two Stanley Cups in two broken up, shortened seasons. True, and a lot of what? people might even point to being a little bit over the cap, salary cap. One Stanley team, Cup. So. One Stanley Cup comes in the bubble. Another Stanley Cup comes on a fifty-six game regular season. I'm just saying. Yeah, and he Just played saying. pretty much the whole season. He did. He was their workhorse for sure. Oh yeah, they were yeah. they were such an average, painfully average team when he didn't start. Just look at the game that the Preds beat the Lightning when uh yeah. Kurt, when Curtis McElhaney was in net, the yeah. Preds feasted on the Lightning, made them look like a non-playoff team. You get Vasilevsky in net, they're suddenly a whole different team. So yeah. I'm not taking anything away from Vasilevsky. No, no, but no. and they're, he's, they're a strong he's team. Only, He's only 27 years old, though. He And so I'm like, you're already going to put him at number four. That is a big pedestal to put him on. Um, I would 
I would argue he should be in the list, but to put him all the way up at number four, yeah. uh, that that's puzzling to me. It's, I think it's the back-to-back Stanley Cup. Mike Twitter's on here. We haven't seen him in a while. He said that What's they're, up, the Mike? Dodgers, they're the Dodgers of hockey. That's what he called. Oh, uh, well, he's a fellow Giants. He's a fellow San Francisco Giants fan along with myself. And, there Mike, I'm right there with you. Uh, the Dodgers – I'm going to ask Mike this right now. He'll respond in the stream. Uh, Mike – how many games behind are the Dodgers right now in, in the Central – and not the Central, in the NL West? Because I can tell you that every time I look at the standings in baseball, I look at my San Francisco Giants, and they're playing well. They're winning all these games, and we can't make up any ground on these damn Dodgers. They just stick around. Like, you just can't get rid of them. You can't shake them. He says so, two and a half. Two and a half. It, I feel like it's been two and a half games for, like, a month now. So um, – we got to keep them off. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the Dodgers, Mike. I can't stand the Dodgers. They are uh, one of my most hated teams in all sports. So wow. right there with you, Mike. Yes, they are. I cannot stand the Dodgers. Wow. I can't. Yes. More than more right. than Chicago. In, in hockey, they're right Mommy, there. You they're, said all. You said it. They're all right. Th- they're right wow. there in the same boat with each other. They really are. Mm-hmm. I, my my disdain for the Los Angeles Dodgers as a Giants fan is very very strong. Like That's it's. Awesome. One of the fierce, fiercest rivalries in all sports is Giants-Dodgers. Just okay. go to the Bay and, and ask anybody about that. So, um, all right, let's go to number three. All no right. one's going to argue this one. You're not going to get one shred of an argument from me. Henrik Lundqvist, number three. You want to talk about longevity? You want to talk about someone who stuck around and just took, made a career out of just stopping pucks from going in the net? It's Henrik Lundqvist, 752 career wins, 64 career shutouts, 2, 2.43 goals against average, one, only one Vesna trophy. That kind of surprised me. I thought yeah. he would have maybe had more. 0.918 save percentage, no Stanley Cups for Henrik. So that just goes to show you, that just goes to show you that Stanley Cups don't necessarily make the goaltender. So if you're going to put Lundqvist all the way up at number three, that's – how does yeah. Pecorino not at least crack the top ten at number ten? Yeah, That's I'm not going to take. I'm not taking anything away from him at all. He had a very long, glorious career, but when you look at the numbers, no Stanley Cups. His playoff goals against is three point five two. I mean, I, I just I don't. So I, I, I like I him, had be, a mishap. I like him I had being a on the list, but I, I don't. I had a mishap here. I, I didn't mean to say 752 career wins. I meant to say 752 career starts. Oh, okay. It's a big difference. Four, I'm uh, sorry about that. Was it 459 wins? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah. Not 752 career wins. 752 yeah. career starts. He is number six all time in wins mm. among goaltenders. So, um, long career. So he's still up there. But uh, yeah, no, no Stanley Cup. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to follow this uh, formula. The yeah, NHL Network has because it's like if it's Stanley Cups, how is Henrik Lundqvist all the way up at number three? Yeah. So um, I don't pers- pers- personally wins, speaking, though. I don't have a problem with him being that high. But no. this this formula makes no sense to me. No. Um, number two is Roberto Luongo. A lot of your classic Preds fans know all about Roberto Luongo because Roberto Luongo was in net during those years when the Preds could not get past the Vancouver Canucks in the playoffs. I remember it. So up until when the Preds really started showing that they could compete for a Stanley Cup, the first thing they had to do was prove they could get past the first round. 
And the first time they ever got past the first round, they had to face the Vancouver Canucks, a team that was way bigger than them, way more physical than them, way more skilled than them. And it was a dogfight. I mean, the Preds came to play. They They didn't fold. From what I remember, everyone was predicting a sweep. They were like, Vancouver Canucks are going to wipe the floor with this team. Nashville doesn't know what they're in for. They're they're out of their class being in the second round. Congratulations, you finally won a playoff series. You're about to get ran out of the building. And indeed, the Vancouver Canucks did not run the Predators out of the building. They did win the playoff series, but they did not run them out 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 of the playoffs. And... I do remember Roberto Luongo being an absolute series stealer. He could not be cracked. The Preds could not get goals past him uh, on a regular basis. And so Roberto Luongo, I mean, you can't overlook his career numbers. 489 career wins, 77 career shutouts, which is pretty pretty amazing. Number nine all-time in shutouts. I mean, his other numbers are pretty are pretty comparable to all the other goaltenders on this list. He never the won Murray. a Vesna. He never won a Vesna Trophy, or a Stanley Cup, or a Stanley Cup, and he never won any major personal awards. Never won a Hart Trophy. Yeah. Never. He, I mean, he did win the Jennings Award, which is basically another goaltender award based on how many starts you had and if you gave up so many goal fewer goals per game. But other than that, he never really won any major awards. And so for him to be all the way at number two, That's it's kind of it's puzzling again. I can't figure out what the. I yeah, feel like I they know. just. I feel like they just took a ball and threw all the names into a ball and shook it up <laughs> and said, "This is our top ten. Yeah, because I mean, like it. it's really weird. I just I don't understand it uh, at but all. But it's it's oh. got a, it's got a, it does have a stalking though. Yeah, our uh, our new friend Lindsay's on here. What's going up, Lindsay? To, going back to Lundquist, she says the king deserved a cup. Well, guess he what? Did. So did so did Pecorino. Yes, <laughs> they, you, you, you can put them in. A, I'm not going to sit here and say Pecorino is better than Lungfist, but I will no. say that they are they are kind of very similar in the sense that they were two outstanding elite goaltenders that yep. never won a Stanley Cup, and it's it's kind of a travesty. Yeah. So, but uh, so back to back to Luongo. Yeah, that's that's a weird that's a weird one. The friend to be all the way up at number two is pretty. It's pretty amazing. I feel like Luongo has a best friend on this panel that made this list or something. <laughs> like, hey, hey, I'll, I'll toss you a couple extra uh, Benjamins if you uh, put me in number two. I don't know. All right, and then number one is, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury. I I mean, that's that's one I can get on board with. I can definitely get on board with that. I mean, yeah. he's got three Stanley Cups. He's got a Vesna trophy. He just won his first Vesna trophy this past season, which – is Which that's weird. Un, that's just unfathomable that he. That, it goes to show you how hard it is to win a Vesna, though, too. Yeah. Which Pecker is? Because most seasons, most seasons, there's there's at least two or three goaltenders you can make an argument for to win the Vesna, and a lot of times they have to make a choice. Yeah. And so the fact that he's the only won one <laughs> is surprising. He's also only a one-time All Star. That's weird. On, Mark Andre Fleury, everyone, has Three's only won like one All Star. Yeah, that's. That makes no sense. I don't understand. I don't understand the metrics they're using for they use for this stuff. So it's just really strange. But I other, do agree that he should be number one on this. Other list. notables that were left off the list: Ryan Miller, Mike Smith, Kari Lettinen, Mika Kiprasov, and Sergey Bobrovsky. Those are kind of like five that I wrote down 
that are also up there that maybe I don't think you can make bigger arguments for them over Pekka. No, but not Bobrovsky. But those, just, but Ryan Miller was a really good goaltender. Mike Smith, a lot of Mike Smith has a really big fan base. Uh, a lot of people like Mike Smith. But uh, out of all those that got left mm-hmm. off, Pekka, you got to think if they extended the list to eleven, Pekka would be number eleven. I would hope. I would hope so. I, I mean, don't know. I, I don't understand. All right, so that's been the opening face-off. That's been the opening face-off of Catfish on Ice, episode 64 with Chad Mitten and Rich Howe. This is what we do during the dead days of the offseason is we (laughs) argue and and show our displeasure over a list. And NHL Network, you did a really good job getting us all worked up tonight. So good job on you. And so uh, we appreciate everyone listening tonight to, uh, to Catfish on Ice podcast, episode 64 presented by DraftKings with football season coming up. You've got an opportunity to go use our promo code THPN and enter yourself a chance to win a million dollars. All you got to do is use your promo code and make a wager on a football game, and you can give yourself a chance to win a million dollars. So go do it. Go do it right now. All right, let's get to our next segment. We've still got lined up for this episode. We're about to get into some over-under point totals that we're going to set and answer. We're also going to talk about Ellie Tolvanen and how he just got a new contract with the Preds. And we're rounding out episode 64 with our interview with On the Future Preds Prospects, part of SB Nation, to get caught up on the Milwaukee Admirals, to talk about the 2021 draft class. So stay tuned for that to round out episode 64. Let's do some point totals here. I wrote down a bunch of point totals over and unders, and Rich is going to give me what he thinks – each uh, team's going to finish. And so, again, the Central Division's mm. back to normal this season. Thank goodness. So, <laughs> thank goodness, right? And so, uh, first I want to share from July 30th, Jay Fresh did his projected point totals for the for the division. And that was kind of post-free agency, post-draft. A lot of the dust had settled on the free agency. And he kind of put out his projections. He's normally really, really close with his projections. Yeah. And so he had Colorado. He had Colorado at 119. He had St. Louis at 100 points. Winnipeg and Minnesota tied at 97 points. Chicago at 93. Dallas at 88. Our Nashville Predators are rebuilding Nashville Predators at 87. And the lowly, sad Arizona Coyotes at 75. And so that I'm going to preface that. I kind of looked at those point totals and then tried to come up with some good over-under and so I'm going to start with Colorado, Rich. Yep. And before I even give you the point total, I got to say, the Colorado Avalanche, as big of a expectations as they have, of course, we had the Tell It As It Is podcast on yes, um, that was good. a couple episodes ago, and he was awesome. How many mm-hmm. episodes ago was that? They all run, they're all starting to kind of like I don't run know. together. This either, was it two? <laughs> It was, I think it was two episodes ago. It was two episodes ago. Go back, everyone. What we're trying to say is go back and listen to that interview because it was awesome. We got caught up with the, we got caught up with the Colorado Avalanche on that episode. But uh, they have not, since they've been this good and they've turned the corner, they have also not played a full 82 game season. That's true. So they had 92 points in the 70 games they played in 2019 20 before the pause happened. So you got to think they were going to easily surpass 100 points yeah. that season if they would have yeah. played the full 82 games. 
And so I set their over-under point total at 110.5. So are they going to get more than 110 points this season, Rich? Or do you think I'm they're going to fall short? I'm going to That's say a big over. total. That's a big total. I'm going to say over. Wow. I think, you got, I think, you, yeah. You've got big confidence in the Avs. I do. I like them a lot. Um, I think this year is going to be their year. They're probably fed up. I know they got bounced pretty early last in the playoffs. It's kind of, kind of getting to they've be They've got a bad taste. They've got a really they've got a really bad taste in their mouths. And their yeah, window is going right. to close their window is not going to stay open forever just like the Preds. Nope. nope. And so. uh the Tell It As It Is podcast told us the same thing when they joined when we joined them on on a podcast. They said yep. the same thing that their window is open right now but it's going to close quick. And so yep. this is a season where they've got to, you know, do it, you know. And yep. so um you know what Anybody? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with you. I'm, I'm, I, I think yep. they're gonna beat 110 points. I think they're gonna finish. I think they're gonna be right there for the President's Trophy again, uh, yep. for sure. They got to be one of your top favorites to win the President's Trophy this year. So I'm gonna go over 110 yep. uh, points this season. If, it's, if it can't be Nashville in the Central, I'm always gonna pull for Colorado. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabrielle yep. Landeskog, Cal McCarr. I mean, they are just yep. a loaded team. They're a very good team. They're deep. Their their depth yep. is something you should envy. So yeah, they're going to be good again. Not yep. looking forward to having to play them this season. Yep. All right, so <laughs> not at all. Let's get to a team I despise almost as much as I despise the Blackhawks, and that's the St. Louis Blues. Um, I can't figure out why Jay Fresh has them at a hundred points. I'm sure he's way smarter than me, and he has a reasoning for it. But I put their point total lower than 100. I put their over under point total at 95.5. So, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a playoff bubble team this year. I if they make the playoffs, I won't be incredibly surprised, but I definitely don't think they're a Stanley Cup contender by any means or a division uh winner by any means. Um are you going over or under 95.5? Well, my distaste for them is the same as yours. So, can I wish for under? Is that possible? No, you got to give me your objective opinion uh, here. But I really want to wish for under for them. <laughs> no, I I think it's I, I'm going to go under. That's a tough one, though. Uh, it is tough because they're they like you said they're one. Of those they're going to be teams. right around that range. Yeah, I think it's they they under you but know, still they've yeah. still got some really good veterans on that team. They've still got some things they can do, but I think that their off season has not been that great. And so um, we'll see what Jordan ben- Jordan and Bennington can do in net for them. Um, he is a great goaltender, but his per- uh, personality aside, um, but I think they're a, I think they're definitely a bubble playoff team. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I think they're going to be right in the low 90s, and they're going to be right there at the end trying to get that last wild card spot out of the central. I think they're a team that the Preds can definitely hang with. <clears throat> I think so too. Yeah, I agree. All with right, that. let's go to a team who I think is going to give the Colorado Avalanche the biggest problem, and that's the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think they're necessarily have gone anywhere. They still got Connor Hellebuck, yep. who is arguably the second best goaltender in the league, if you ask me. I would think so too. Yep. I and so uh, they've still got a really good. They've they've still got some good scores. They are that is a tough place to play in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that when that building's full, that is such a difficult place to play. 
I'll never forget that second round series against Winnipeg and how they just ripped my heart out. Oh yeah. Uh, the play, the postseason after the Stanley Cup run, Preds had won the President's Trophy already. Expectations were soaring. Mm-hmm. It was even argued that the Preds had a better team than their Stanley Cup team, and the Winnipeg just ripped our hearts out. And yep. so I still think they've got a good team, a solid team. I so I set their point total at 99.5. So basically, are they going to reach 100 points or are they going to fall short? What do you think, Rich? I'm going to say over. Ooh, okay. Bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Like you said, they have a good team. They're We're on the same page. Luck. Yeah, We're on the same page. Luck. Yeah. So I, I think I, they're I going think I think they're going over too. I think they're the one team that can hang with Colorado as far as maybe push them to yeah. steal the division. I still think Colorado is going to win it pretty handedly, but I think Winnipeg is going to be in the conversation. I think they're going to have a decent yeah. squad. And when you have a great goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, that that's, that's what you want. Yeah. And so um, I'm going, we, we've agreed on the first three. Let's go to another team who I think people are actually discounting. I think, I don't know. I think people are thinking too much about this past season and forgetting about what they did leading up to it, and that's the Dallas Stars. They had a huge disappointing season. They went to the Stanley Cup. They went to the Stanley Cup, lost to a Tampa Bay Lightning team who you can't blame anyone for losing to that Tampa Bay Lightning team. And then they they turn around this past season, and they don't even make the playoffs. A big reason why, the Nashville Predators. They could not beat the Nashville Predators in overtime. They could not. And so I think it's a little bit of an anomaly – Last season, nothing against our Predators, but to, to see that happen the way it did, I think the Stars will be right back in the conversation as a solid top three or four team in the division, in my opinion. But I still put their point total kind of low just based on what other people think. I put it at 89.5. I'm going over easily. I will go over as well. Um, I know they, they've got like, what, like six or seven goaltenders now. <laughs> yeah. They've got a lot. I mean, yeah. They got a, so that you, Ho- I mean, they, they, they exposed Ben Bishop. Yep. Which was amazing. Which was just, no one saw that coming. No. Then they, they've still got, you know, they, they still got Hudobin. Yep. And they got Holtby. And they've got Holtby now who we already yep. brought up on the goaltenders list. And Holtby yep. is way past his prime. Not yeah, saying he can't. Not saying he can't have a great game where he steals wins for you. Of course he can. But who starts in net for them? I would think. I don't know. I would. That's kind Hudobin. of a mess right now. You think it it's Hudobin? I don't. I don't know. He's he's good. I mean, he's so good. He I, is. I, I think know. he's their best option. But then you got to wonder: Will they expose Ben Bishop? Wouldn't it be weird if they started Ben Bishop in their first game of the season after they exposed him? Yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's an weird. odd situation. I don't know. What, you would think that one of them's trade bait right now. Yeah. Oh, Either Ben so. Bishop or Hudobin, yeah. but uh, it hasn't I just, happened I just, yet. I just go back to when they lost in the bubble um, to Tampa Bay and just that picture of Jamie Ben sitting in the locker room by himself for like 20 minutes, just like – no words. They interviewed him after the after the game, yeah. and he did, he barely could even string a sentence together. And I just was like, "Well, last year wasn't their year." But I, well, I think the, and, and the Dallas Stars—that's another team that their window is actually closing even quicker than oh, yeah. Colorado's window. 
I see the Dallas Stars going down the same ugly road that the Preds went down. Yep. And I think they're heading towards the same direction that we're already at right now if they don't figure it out this season. So um I so got them might be it. I got them I got them definitely as another wild card team. I I I kind of see them in that range. Uh, right there in the middle of that cluster of the division. I don't think they're going to challenge Colorado at all. They haven't had it. They haven't had a particularly great offseason, but they do still have their core together. Tyler Sagan missed a lot of time last season. Jamie Ben missed some time. Alexander Radulov missed some time. They dealt with a lot of injuries just like the Predators did. So assuming they can stay healthy, they're a wild card team at the worst. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over 89.5. They're definitely going to be a 90 point team at least. Oh, so uh, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, and that's the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't want to laugh because honestly, like we we don't have room to talk right now. I don't know how much better we're going to be than them, but they are the de facto worst team in the division right now, where we sit so. right now. I got their uh, point total at 79.5, and I might be being generous with that point total. Uh, do you do you think they can maybe at least get in the 80-point range? I don't. I don't. Ooh. I think there's just too much going on with them. Yeah. They might be they might be playing out in the parking lot. I mean, they are they are a mess. <laughs> they, they might be they might be looking around the uh, greater Phoenix area for ice skating rinks. To play yeah, their they might be playing at like you know, just <laughs> the, Bill, does, Bill does skating the, arena. Or does something the YMCA or, have a ice skating rink somewhere we yeah. can play our games? I mean, uh, it's going to be a rough year for them. Just the anything that could go wrong with that poor franchise, man. And it's mismanagement. It really it, it is. From, yeah, from, it on is. the outside looking in, obviously, I'm not a Coyotes insider. I don't follow them yeah, religiously right, or anything. Same. But from everything I see, the writing on the wall, it's all front office mismanagement. Yeah, just a horribly ran team. And so, um, yeah, I don't see a lot out of them either. I'm going yeah. under. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. I think they're going to have a pretty rough year, uh, yeah. and it's going to be a long build back. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to see where they end up. Do they get relocated, yeah. or do they figure out a way to stay? Our co-host, Colin Bluen, who's uh, busy on the road here. As you all know, he's been uh, he's got a new job, a really good career opportunity for himself a new career and he is flying around the country a lot. And so he wasn't able to make the podcast tonight, but we talked about it in the last episode. He was saying that he thinks the only choice might be Tempe, but it's going to take some time for that to happen. And logistically speaking, the way the city is laid out, they have a lot of stuff to figure out here. But when it comes to stuff, when it comes to stuff on the ice, the team does doesn't have a lot to bring to you. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be tough for them to compete in the central division. So we're both going under 79. Yep. Uh under 80 points for sure. Under 80 points. Yep. I agree. We got three more we got three more teams here. Let's go to the yep. Minnesota Wild. So that's a team that's hard to figure out for me. That on paper and on the surface, you would think they can be right up there with Colorado. Uh you got uh Kaprizov the rookie phenom who is this KHL drama still hasn't yeah. been figured out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally. I think in goal, I feel like they're pretty solid. Uh, I think they've got some good players. Uh, they surprised a lot of people this past season, uh, outperformed their preseason expectations, you could say. So now you got to wonder, are they going to continue on that trajectory or are they going to kind of go back backwards again? 
I got their point total pretty pretty steady here. I got it at 97.5. Do you think they go over that? Do you think, I think they, they would go over just a little bit? All right. Think, so you got them sniffing a, you got them sniffing 100 points. It's like you said, they're they're really hard to to read. So um, if they if, if they go over 97.5 points, if they get around 100 points, they'll be battling mm-hmm. for second or third place with Winnipeg. Yeah, I think well, I think they'll definitely be there. Yeah, definitely All right. no matter what. They uh they had they lost um they lost our boy uh Nick, Nick Benito. Benito. Where did Benito to, uh, go again? He went to San Jose, but he had okay. a really good season last year. He had a really he had, good season. he had a very respectable season for them. But he was it's kind of surprising to see good. that. So, yeah. So yeah. And they well they had a really busy offseason. They they Zach Preezy and Ryan Suter both mm-hmm. got bought out. Ryan yep. Suter went to the Dallas Stars. Yep. I mean, wow. Oh, that's right. Yep. Um, I think they're really pushing all their uh, chips into the middle of the table for next season. So sounds like sounds that way. I, th- I think it's fair to say they're going to be a playoff team, though. Top four. Yeah. yeah. All Definitely. right. Let's go to a team that I think the Preds are going to be directly battling with to maybe get a wild card spot, maybe somehow avoid being one of the worst teams in the division, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that's had a really odd offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going up to the trade deadline this past season, they uh, decided to be sellers. The Preds kind of dealt them that last blow and that big win. Um, yeah, and so once the Blackhawks realized they weren't in the playoff race anymore, yep. um, they kind of like sold the farm. Not like completely sold the farm, but they did become sellers. And then they went and got Seth Jones this offseason for a really weird overpaid contract by all accounts. And so uh, they did get Marc-Andre Fleury, which just makes me sad because I love Fleury. But um, let's see how much he has left in the tank. But he's definitely going to be a good asset for them. Uh, And they've they've, – I mean, they've got a decent team, but – I put their point total at 88.5. So I would, I'm going to say over by just a little bit. Oh, because okay. Of, because of flurry. So they're going to be think, right there in the thick of it. They're going to have a chance for that final wild card spot is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm gonna, maybe like hovering around 90 close to what you have. Okay. But I think it had, had they not got flurry this year, I would have. So flurry is a big deal for you. You think I that's think a big so. signing? I think so. I mean, yeah. they still got Patrick Kane. They've so still got they, they they've got Alex DeBrinket, who is a rising star for them. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of reloaded their prospect pool a little bit, and but they uh, did, they've been rebuilding they, for a while. So they have, and they did overpay for Seth Jones. But you got to look at the team he was playing on; they were yeah. a mess, huge yeah. mess. So you know, I think they're going to be in, they're going to be in that cluster of teams battling for that wild card spot. I think, I think. So. one of the wild card spots, I and agree. so that let's go to our own team then. Mm. And I've got their point total very, very modest. I I'm not shooting for the fences here. I'm my expectations are very, very tempered this season. I've got their point total at eighty five point five. Even if they go over that, that does not mean we're saying they're going to make the playoffs. No. But if they um, go un- but if they go under eighty five point five then that means it's going to be a really, really rough season. And more than likely, they are going to have a top 10 pick in the draft next season if they fall short of the 85.5 total. So where are you going with it? Man, I really want to say over, but it's it's hard to say that. 
But I, I don't know. I kind of agree with your number. I think it's a good number. Well, you can't say 85.5. Yeah, That's impossible. So you got to either go 85 or 86. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say under just a little, I guess. So I under by a, under under by a half a point. Just a little Rick. bit. So yeah. Rick, you hear you heard it here first on episode 64. Rich is <laughs> is predicting right that the Preds finish with 85 points. <laughs> Bold prediction. I want it to so, be more. I'm so actually going to I'm going to go over. Are you? But I think we, our hearts are going to be broken and they're going to narrowly miss the playoffs. Yeah. I think they're going to go into the last week needing like a three or four game run and they're just going to fall short. They're going to get our hopes up. They're going to, they're going to get us thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to make the playoffs again. And they're going to give us a really good effort. I think we're going to see a lot of really good young players grow up quick and give us a lot to be excited about. But in terms of a full team that's good enough to get a playoff spot in the Western Conference, I can't objectively say that's going to happen this season. I, yeah, as much as it, I would love to say that, uh, they're going to. Yeah, I think they're they're probably going to fall short of ninety points, which isn't enough to make the playoffs ever. No, and so, uh, but they're going to um, give us plenty of exciting hockey. I think. Yeah. I just think I the comp- so. I think the competition in the division is going to be too much for them to overcome. Yeah, I hope I hope that we've set our expectations too low and they're they come out and surprise us. Yeah, I kind of I kind of fall with Jay Fresh's projection of eighty seven points. I think they're going to be right around there, 87, yeah. 88, 89. Def, yeah. but you know, a lot of sometimes you have to be in the mid nineties to get a playoff spot. Yeah, that's, that's how competitive it gets yeah. sometimes. So yeah. I do think they're going to fall up short of that, unfortunately. It's let's, hit, let's hit one more quick hitter before we uh, before we get to our interview with On the Future and get into the Preds prospects. And that is some news that broke. We didn't see this coming. We didn't know when it was going to come. We were waiting for it to come. And it finally happened. Pretty much the last restricted free agent we were waiting to get signed was mm-hmm. the last restricted free agent we were waiting to get signed. And yep. that is L.A. Tolvanen finally has his con- his new contract. Three yep. years, four point three five million total contract, not per year total. Not per year, yep. But he is getting a very good mm-hmm. pay increase. I will say, I found it very interesting looking at his contract details on Puckpedia. He did really well with his signing bonuses, his or his uh, performance bonuses. Oh, did he? he? His AAV was still over three million per year the last couple of years because oh, wow. of his performance bonuses. That's awesome. So he's done very well for him. He's done very well for himself based on his own performance with the team. But obviously he has a much better salary now over a million dollars per year, obviously. And I'm sure there's performance bonuses tied into this that we don't know about yet, but this is going to turn out to be a very big bargain Easily speaking, if Tolvanen lives up to a top six player like we were all expecting him to be. I agree. Um, yeah, I really liked the way he was – I think everybody, all the Preds fans, loved the way he was playing before he got injured. And we need – that's exactly what we need to see is the pre-injury Tolvanen right out of the gate. Yep. Just come out and dominate. Feast, that, feast, feast on take. the we, – we need to see him feast on that power play. That and then some, yeah, definitely. But uh, um, one thing about Tolvin is his 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 career progression has been very positive. He's he's 
continue to improve, and he's still only 22 years old. So what you love to see out of a player his age is that he keeps moving forward. He keeps improving. He's not going backwards at age 22. He's Mm -hmm. going forward at age 22. So that's why he's getting this contract. But this is a steal on its surface. We'll have to wait and see how he performs this year, obviously. But on its surface and looking at it right now, ink's still drying on the contract. It looks really good. Yeah, last big season, win for the front office. Yeah, oh, definitely big, huge win. Last season, didn't even play a full season and was fourth in goals on the team. Yeah, so well, that's we, that we might be more of a, that might be that might be more of an indictment on the press. Well, I, I, you know, <laughs> sorry, still, I'm playing devil's advocate still, there. But. It's still good. It's still good, and we want to see that again. It is a good I mean, deal. It is a good deal, and I now we have to wait and see what kind of line mates he gets. I'm hoping he he. I'm hoping they stick him with Philip Forsberg. And then we figure out who their center is, whether it's Ryan Johansson, whether they want to – we still have to see if they still want to make Matt Duchesne a center or whether they want to make Matt Duchesne a winger. Like, I mean, there's so many centers on this team who can play yeah. wing. That's what's really hard to figure out about this team. Yep. Other than Ryan Johansson and maybe Colton Sissons, this team doesn't have any true bona fide centers. No. Michael Granlin, he can play center mm-hmm. sometimes, but he also plays wing. Matt Duchesne, Matt Duchesne has played a lot of wing, but we would love to see him be a center. So I want to see Phil Forsberg and Ellie Tolvanen on a wing, on, on opposite wings, and I want them to figure out who the hell is going to play center with them. And, and I want them to take that run with it. Personally speaking, maybe Ryan Johansson, if you ask me right now. Ryan Johansson, Phil Forsberg, Ellie Tolvanen. Yeah, I think so. Because the, be. the Jofa line is dead and buried. Long and good now. Long and for yep. good. Yep. Rest in One peace, of, Joe Feline. RV, best of luck for it, to you in the in Los Angeles. I hope you do yep. well. But Joe Feline, you are buried. You're done. Let's bring Tolvanen into the mix with Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg. That's just my early uh, thought on that. But we'll have to wait and see where they put Tolvanen. Yep. I, hope they, I hope they put him in a spot where he can really – maximize his potential yeah i think they'll need to yeah they definitely need to put him in the top or at least the second obviously so yeah that's good it's awesome and i think i think uh last episode i made a really bold prediction with our preds predictions and i predicted ellie tolvanen to lead the team in uh goals oh yeah i don't know if you remember that bold prediction so i do remember that seeing this contract signing kind of gives me a little bit of extra yeah, where do you want to? What lineup? What line mates do you want to see Tolvin had have before we go to the next segment? Um, so I had I had him on the second line, and I actually wrote something about this, and I just cannot remember who. It was like Granlin, him, and um, um, dang, I can't remember who the center was. I, I had I had Forsberg, Johansson, and Duchesne. I wanted to see what they did in the beginning. Uh, try okay, so if you had – so who do you – maybe maybe, maybe Cunning? No, Cunning doesn't play center. I'm trying to think well, who you would have had at center. Maybe it was Granlin. Maybe Granlin was center. Wow. I think it was. Okay, so, was. so see, there are – there are Granlin and Cunning. Well, there's definitely people out there who think Granlin needs to play center again. So yeah. uh, that would make sense. Yeah. So, uh, so all right. So uh, this, All right, so let's see how it goes here. We're getting closer – to uh, the preseason, which is, I think, less than a month away now. So 
We're getting closer to that. We're getting really close to training camp. It's going to be here before we know it. We're getting you through the, the this offseason. It feels like it's lasted forever, to be quite honest. It does. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting closer. We appreciate everyone sticking with us this offseason on Catfish on Ice. And coming up next on episode 64 is our interview with Eric Denae, who runs on the future Preds prospects for SB Nation. He covers everything you want to know about the Nashville Predators prospects in the system. We are really pumped to have him join us. That's coming up right after the break on episode 64 of Catfish on Ice. All right, we're back on Catfish on Ice, episode 64. This is Chad Benton with Rich Howe. We've got, we are thrilled to have a really awesome guest for you to round out episode 64 this week, and that is Eric Dunay of On the Future, Preds Prospects for SB Nation. He covers everything there is to know about Preds Prospects. He's huge when it comes to the fans who um, – it's, it's really hard sometimes to know what's going on with the prospects. But, uh, you know, when you're here in the States, there's a lot of prospects overseas, and we don't get to see a lot of them as they develop into NHL players. So, Eric, welcome to the podcast. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. For sure. Uh, so, before we get into the Preds questions and we ask about the prospects, and all that stuff. The first thing I really want to know is how did you get into covering this? How did you get into covering prospects? How did you get on board with On the Future? Again, it's uh, at On the Future OTF on Twitter, uh, part of SB Nation. Uh, they specialize in covering all the prospects that are in the Preds system. And so, Eric, yeah, kind of tell us how you got into this, uh, in, in, into covering the prospects. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, uh, you know, I've played hockey pretty much my entire life uh, at a pretty competitive level. And so I've always been a big fan and uh, probably five or six years ago, I don't know. I just really took an interest in the draft. Um, it always kind of became my favorite part of the year. And, um, you know, a couple of years after that, um, I got this opportunity to start writing for SB Nation. And, um, you know, I recognized that a lot of teams around the league had really dedicated prospects, Twitter accounts or pages, um, that were just focused on those kind of outside the NHL. And I thought there was an opportunity to do that here. So I uh, started this Twitter account and kind of kept writing and, um, you know, spent a lot of my time um, waking up early or staying up late to watch <laughs> games on other continents and uh, trying to decipher uh, very poorly written score sheets in like Russian minor leagues. But uh, oh, wow, I yeah. ho- hope it's all worth it. Uh, I really like what I do and I, think people get value out of it so oh, i would I definitely get some value definitely I, I can say from personal experience i get value out of it because whenever i go to like for instance the khl's website and i try to like navigate through yep. it and look through like box scores or i try to like look through the standings i feel lost like a lot so like yep. people like you make it so much easier for us so that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we are so excited to have you on so let's let's shift to the preds here of course they are you know 
tagged as a competitive rebuild team. Uh, that's what a lot of people are throwing around out there. We're all kind of ready to embrace that, I think. Uh, so my first question for you is, let's just start with the 2021 draft class uh, for the Predators. And what really stands out the most for you when it comes to our first-round picks, we had two of them with uh, Fedor Sveshkov and uh, Zachary LaRue. Kind of give us your biggest strengths that stand out from those two prospects, what Preds fans should be excited about uh, with those two uh, players. Yeah, I mean, I think starting with Svechkov, you know, um, I think there's this kind of characterization around the draft that he was a or he's a defensive forward. And I think when people hear that, they automatically think there's limited offensive upside, um, which is not really the case here. I think by, you know, every measure, he is incredibly mature defensively, which is a very rare for someone his age and be extremely rare in the VHL and the MHL, which are the Russian minor and junior leagues um in a lot of those games defense is extremely optional and um <laughs> you know him displaying that maturity uh earned him significant ice time in the khl in his draft year which is not something that you frequently see um but more specifically on the offensive side of the puck um you know i don't think this is a guy who's probably going to score 30 or more goals in the nhl but um more specifically, he's just an incredibly sound playmaker. Um, he is a great passer, and it's not just like, you know, oh, there's an easy passing lane and he can connect on it. Um, he can really dish the puck from anywhere on the ice um, in any position, compromised or not, and get it to a teammate who's got an open lane or an open shot. Um, you know, in that regard, he's constantly thinking, you know, a few steps ahead of the play, and it shows. And he was successful at that, even playing against – you know, men in the KHL who are significantly older than him. So, you know, the defense aside, I think that's something I'm really excited about is he does have some skill on offense um, and certainly can score on his own in his own right. But, um, you know, the passing and playmaking ability is really um, not, I think it's not something that this pipeline in this organization really has to his level right now. Um, mm. So that that's the thing for him. Um, with LaRue, you know, it's not a pick that screams star. Um, you know, this isn't someone who right now, you know, is going to be challenging Philip Tomasino to be this organization's kind of like golden child uh, of the pipeline. But what he is is someone who um, he knows what he does well on the ice, which is uh, he can score, he um, can dig pucks out of battles well, and he can annoy the hell out of other teams um, and he sticks to that um so i think as long as he keeps doing that and keeps growing in the qmjhl you're going to find a player who by the time he makes it to the pro level um is going to be a really complimentary uh, a great compliment on the wing to a first or second line center who um okay. you know can score in uh you know rebound goals or, or dirty goals but can also um kind of burst into the zone and, and beat defenders um and and score on shots from distance so uh, I think he knows, like I said, what he's good at, and um, and those kind of qualities he is extremely good at. So that's awesome. So after after those those two first round picks, they the Predators picked four more guys. Um, can you give us like a quick overview of those guys? Uh, three of those guys they, they picked were defensemen. Just like a give us a quick roundup of of what their skills are or whatnot. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess I'll start with Anton Olson, who I guess who was their third round pick. Um, 
you know, defender, like you said, there were three of them. Um, Swedish, he is already getting some good um, minutes with the U20, U20 Swedish team in um, international competition. They wrapped up the World Junior Summer sh summer Showcase here a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's not someone who right now has a huge offensive ceiling. Um, but that being said, uh, he is playing important minutes in Sweden's top league. He's going to continue to do that this year uh, for Malmo. And, I mean, he's just an extremely sound player. You know, he I think he's a really good puck uh, for his size. He's extremely mobile. Um, you know, it, it's not going to grade. He's not going to in the NHL. He's not going to be an elite skater by any means. Mm. But I think he's got the feet to be very successful on defense. Um in the NHL and he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. You know, I think he's still learning, you know, kind of to play against the pressure uh, of the SHL, but you know, when he's got the puck or when he's, you know, in gap control, defending against a forward, um, he's frequently coming out on top because he's just making a smart, quick play, um, you know, not trying to do too much, not trying to play a game that he can't. Um, and I think that's going to help him. So, not a ton of flash there, but overall, I think a solid prospect. Um, and then Ryan Ufko is another defender, obviously, probably of this group of four, the guy I'm most excited about. Um, you know, he comes from a Chicago Steel program in the USHL, which has just dominated that league and produced um, some incredible players, both in this class and the previous one. Um, and undersized, kind of a smaller player, but uh, just extremely smart um, with and without the puck. Uh, I think his one-on-one -on -one defending is going to need some improvement, um, but that kind of comes with just his size and his age. But, um, you know, on the power play, I think he can be a, the weapon, a weapon from the point. He carries the puck out of the zone very well, makes great passes out of the zone and through the neutral zone, um, plays with his head up, moves the puck with his head up, which you don't always see for defenders at this age. Um and most importantly, I think, is he's going to a uh, program at UMass that mm. has kind of recently become a factory for NHL defenders. Um, you know, Cam McCarr, Mario Ferraro, Zach Jones, uh, to name a few. And, and you know, Mark Delgaizo, fellow Predators prospect, just uh, matriculated to the AHL at the end of the season. And he'll be in Milwaukee, but he came out of there as well. So I think that's a great program for him to go to and excited to see where he goes. And then to round things out, um, you know, two more guys, Jack Matier and, and Simone Kanak. Um, I think both of these guys have a bit more limited upside. You know, Matier missed all of last season um, mm. due to COVID because the OHL did not play. Uh, so the only competitive hockey he played last year is at the U18 World Championship uh, for Team Canada, which is great experience. But, um, you know, I think the organization's betting on him having a big jump in his offensive side of the game in Ottawa this year. Uh, so we'll see, you know, he's not a bad skater, especially for his size. Um, I think he can move the puck. Okay. And, and he's pretty mobile on the blue line when he gets those opportunities, but um, we just haven't seen enough, I think yet um, to make a huge judgment there. And it's tough, obviously him missing yeah. the entire year. Uh, and then finally, someone can act same thing overage player um, in his second year of eligibility. Went over to Switzerland, his home country this year, this past year to play a bit before coming back to the WHL. Um, I think if he gets to the NHL, it's going to be in a very limited fourth line penalty killing role. 
Um, the one thing I did really notice from his draft year to his draft plus one year is he, he did really work on his skating, which was um, admittedly not great last year. Uh, so that's good. Um, and, you know, he is back in Switzerland this year playing pro hockey full time. So that'll be great experience. Um, you know, bit of a long shot out of this entire class, but, um, you know, that to be expected. Yeah, yeah. Late, yeah. A, a late a late draft pick. Yeah. And we've seen, hey, plenty of press draft picks in mm -hmm. history that turned out to be great picks a la Pecorino. I know that's goaltender, but mm -hmm. still like you can get you can get gems late in the draft. But uh, that 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 uh, uh, press fans, you just heard some of the best uh, analysis you're going to hear, especially mm -hmm. from the later parts of, of the draft that the Predators just made. Uh, so, again, we're being joined by Eric Tanay, who runs on the future. Uh, Preds Prospects, part of SB Nation at On The Future OTF. They're joining us for episode 64 tonight. All right, so real quick, before we go, get into more current prospects that are closer to the NHL level right now, real quick, I want to get – I'm really curious. What grade would you give the 2021 draft class? I know that's an unfair question because <laughs> it's way early, but just your initial initial thought. What, what, what would you give it? Sure. I think if I'm comparing it to the last two years, I would give 2019 an A, I would give 2020 a C and or maybe a D to be honest, but I'll go a C for now. And 2021 uh, a B. So kind of okay. right all of it. I'll take a B. I'll take a B. I'll take a B yep. and run with it. All right. So looking at newer prospects now, much closer to the NHL level, ones that are really getting people talking, pushing for this youth movement. That's all we've heard about basically for the past year. Um, Let's talk about what a player, a prospect that really no one can get enough of right now, and that is Philip Tomasino. Should he be a starter on opening night against Seattle on October 14th or coming from your expertise and watching prospects develop, do you think he could actually benefit more by maybe get starting off initially in Milwaukee and, and then eventually he works his way up into the Preds lineup? You know, I hate to kind of go down the middle. I think the answer is a little bit of both. If I'm if I'm in charge, he is starting on night one. Uh, but I don't think more time in Milwaukee hurts necessarily. That being said, uh, I don't think we've maybe grasped how big his AHL season was last year in terms of offensive production, both historically and among his uh, peers from the 2019 draft. Um, I'm actually like running some data analysis on this right now. And we haven't seen a draft year plus two season from a Preds prospect like this since Colin Wilson, which I know people probably have a sour taste in their mouth about Colin Wilson, but Colin Wilson in his draft year and the first few years until he got to the NHL was an insanely good prospect. Um, and he was taken what, like, you know, 17 picks higher than Tomasino, I think. So mm -hmm. I think last year was huge. Um, what he did in the AHL, uh, I mean, being a player who is forcing a conversation about changing an entire rule that's been baked into the NHL and the AHL and the CHL for years is, um, I think, says enough. So if I'm in charge night one, I think he starts, you know, now's the opportunity to get these guys mm -hmm. this ice mm -hmm. time that they need. But um you know, I think there's probably going to be a lot of up and down movement this season. Um, so we'll see. That that opening night roster, I mean, I think we're all just like wondering just what direction yeah. they're going to go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Rich, I know you got a question about another draft pick, a big draft pick that came um, just a couple years ago. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> the other big name everybody likes to throw around is uh, Yaroslav Askarov. I just wanted to know what what's a realistic timetable for him getting to the NHL. I'm pretty sure he's got like two more years on his KHL contract. And the second part of the question is, once he does get here, do you feel that he is good enough to supplant UC Soros eventually? Yeah, I mean – yeah, so I, I think that timeline's about right. I think earlier this summer, I want to say Jeff Kelty said um, roughly 22, 23, 23, 24 uh, is what they're looking at, which lines up with um, his KHL obligations. Um, you know, this year in the KHL, he is probably not going to be starting full time for mm-hmm. SK. Not uh, really through his fault. They just have a more veteran goaltender I I think you know they'll probably split starts a lot more Uh, and he might even see some time in the VHL too and Mm. and that um certainly won't hurt considering he started fewer than 10 games in Mm -hmm. uh, either of the three Russian league last season so um you know once he gets over here yeah I think that's the goal I think that by the time he's here um you know he's number one and and Saros either gets traded or, or becomes a backup but you know who knows how much higher Saros' stock is going right. to rise uh, over the next couple seasons. I can see a scenario where, you know, he, Eskarov plays a season or two as a backup, and I think that's fine. But in terms of, like, long-term ceiling, you know, one of these players is a very good, if not great, starter, and the other has, you know, franchise potential. So wow. at a certain point, uh, they're probably going to have to make a tough decision on that. Yeah, and I think uh, when the UC Soros contract finally came down and they avoided the arbitration hearing and all that stuff, uh, a lot of people were instantly thinking, oh, okay, we can move that contract easily there at the end. If, um, you know, they're thinking way far in advance and stuff. But, I mean, that's kind of like what you're hitting at a little bit, it seems like, is, I mean, you're not going to hold on to both of them, most likely, if Soros is also proving that he's a starting goaltender still. Than a franchise type goaltender like you're talking about, then you're not going to keep both of them. And so maybe you can move Soros for some big assets, but of course that's way on down the line. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk. Uh, there's not a lot out there. And I really cannot wait to ask you about this, Eric, um, the Milwaukee admirals, right? I, when they were dominating the AHL and 2019, 20 season, they were eight points clear of everybody when the pause happened I think I wrote down they had a plus 70 goal differential at the time. They were 41-14-5. and five. They were just – Connor Ingram was out there just putting up crazy numbers. I, you can't really see what their roster is exactly right now, obviously, because there's still a lot that can change, obviously. But I want to get your thoughts on do you think the Admirals are going to pick up where they left off? Are they looking like they got a pretty good foundation uh, for their purposes, you know, in the AHL, what do you what do you see out of them? What do you what do you think right now? Yeah, I think the expectation is there, and it's it's you know rightfully so that um, this is a team that should win the Central Division again. This is a team that should be one of the top two three teams in the league, and this is a team that should contend for the Calder Cup. Um, and I think internally that's the goal as well. You know, earlier this summer, I think Scott Nickel was talking about how important it was to him that he bring back uh, as much of that team from 2019-20 that they could, which, you know, had the best shot in a long time of ending Milwaukee's um, horrendous playoff record. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
winning a championship and you know obviously that season didn't finish but you know the big foundation is still there Connor Ingram will be back you know Troy Grosnick is gone but there's going to be a battle for the backup uh position in that between Tomas Bomashka and Devin Cooley mm-hmm. uh which will be I think productive uh, on the blue line, I mean, the blue line looks really, really deep. Um, they brought back Matt Donovan, um, who spent the year in Sweden uh, on an AHL deal, which will, which will be helpful. Um, you know, just based on the numbers in Nashville, it's looking like Jeremy Davies is going to start the year in Milwaukee. Frederick Allard is going to be in Milwaukee. David Ference might be starting the year in Milwaukee. On yeah. top of that, you've got Matt Tennyson, another veteran, Mark Delgaizo, who looked good um, in Whoa. his short time in, in the AHL last year. Um, plus depth in Josh Healy and, and Jake McLaughlin. So, that it really is a loaded yeah. D-line. Holy cow. Yeah, and, and, and up front, I mean, it's a lot similar. You know, they, they brought back Cole Schneider, who um, was has been one of their best offensive forwards for a few years now, um, played for the Texas Stars last year when the Admirals didn't play and kept up his production. Um, you know, Anthony Richard, Michael McCarron, uh, Rem Pitlick, uh, Igor Afanasyev is going to be in Milwaukee this year, you know, add that in was the big Tommy, one I was wondering. Yeah, Tommy Novak. Um, and, and then you're adding, you know, more veteran guys like Matt Luff, um, mm-hmm. who has kind of bounced between the AHL and the NHL the past <clears throat> couple of seasons. So, yeah, I certainly think the expectation is there that this team wants to win a championship. I think they can, um, you know, in their division, I think Texas is probably their best competition, but besides that, um, you know, this, this, uh, I, I think the expectations are high for good reason. You brought up Igor Afanasyev, and I, you know, he hasn't played any AHL games yet, right? Mm-hmm. All of his, uh, all of his experiences. So I'm really excited to see him in the AHL and see really where his development's at. And maybe you can round this out. This is for my own personal, uh, uh, <laughs> greed, I guess. But, uh, Afanasyev is one of my, uh, you know, outside of Tomasino, obviously, uh, Afanasyev is one of the prospects that I'm most excited, intrigued about. The one that I just can't get enough of. I was really excited to watch him in the uh, d- uh, development camp and in the Future Stars game. Uh, so I'm glad that you just confirmed that he's going to be in the AHL. He's going to be playing for the Admirals. Probably have a pretty big role with them. Are you expecting a pretty good year from him? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's. He's picked up some great experience in the KHL last season. Um, you know, the team does have the opportunity to loan him back there, but, uh, you know, I, all signs seem to indicate they won him in Milwaukee. Um, so I doubt that'll happen, especially with the KHL season starting this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Carl Taylor has demonstrated he's got a good track record of knowing when to um, – you know, push and when to hold off on these younger guys. And I think last season was tough for a lot of them, like players like Patrick Harper, who didn't have that stability of, you know, being in Milwaukee um, of, of, you know, a season without a global pandemic and all this stuff. Right. Um, and I think yeah. going back to Milwaukee and, 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 and being under Carl Taylor's coaching staff is going to help a lot of those guys, um, including Afanasiev, who, yeah, I think if he can stick in a top six role in Milwaukee, he could be a really impact player down there this season. You know, I don't know that he'll be ready to jump right to the NHL after one year in the AHL, but um, I certainly think that he has primed himself to be a very um, important piece of the Admirals this season up front. 
All right. Well, Eric, we really appreciate you uh, joining us on episode 64 of Catfish on Ice. We'll have to bring you on again further into the season when some more things are happening or prospects. Uh, We really appreciate it again. Go fall. He runs on the future for SB Nation at on the future OTF. Covers all things Preds prospects that you need to know. It's really hard to find good information and analysis on prospects out there. This is who you want to be following. That's why it's on the podcast. We appreciate it, Eric. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 64 of Catfish and Ice. We appreciate everyone listening. We'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Until then, everyone have a great week.